On today's Contract 2020 TA Education, I'll be speaking to SRC Chair Scott Plyler and SRC member Dan O'Connor about Section 11, Voluntary Additional Flying. Scott, let's start with you and talk about a high level in voluntary additional flying. What was in the flight plan versus what we got in Contract 2020? Well, Kurt, we got pretty much everything that we were looking for in one form or another in voluntary additional flying. We got fully rigged open time. We got rules to explain splits a lot better, including premium before split to cover. We got voluntary double time in there to replace VPF and much more uh, codified automation for all of this. So a pain point that our pilots have, or at least we experience from the company's processes today is the split to cover and contractual splits. And I think we talk about those kind of interchangeably, but they're not. So explain what those are and how they apply in the TA. They are two different things. One is contractual splits. That's when something falls out of ELIT and goes into open time or just becomes uncovered and goes into open time. And there are currently rules that require it to be split before going into open time. You know, 10 TFP or minimum for a two-day, 5 TFP minimum for a turn. Those are based on old practices, you know, where we had, you know, pre-117, where we had 30 and 7 block limitations. And actually, would you know, we don't quite need to split things up to make them legal for us to fly quite the way that we did before. So those are contractual splits, the pre-open time splits. Then we have the split to cover where something runs through open time. And if there's nobody that bids on it straight, the company has had the option to split them to cover instead of award them premium. And then they wind up creating a whole host of issues where they split them all over the place, put a few on reserve, put some in other bases, maybe offer a little bit more through open time. And that creates a lot of the the churn and the chaos in the operation with the deadheads and the ground times and the additional duty periods. So we were trying to address all of those holistically. And as part of that, we eliminated the contractual splits. But because contractual splits provided for shorter pairings, we had to get a shorter pairing mix in the actual bid lines in the plan process. And we did achieve that. And therefore, we were more comfortable getting rid of the contractual splits. But on the flip side, for split to cover, we didn't eliminate it, but we got the company to agree to doing premium before split to cover. So if a three-day went through and there's premium bidders, they would have to award it to a legal premium bidder before splitting to cover. So we've kind of covered both bases by having more complete pairings that are better executable to begin with, and then trying to get it covered with a volunteer prior to it being split and uh, covered by multiple reserves. I think that sort of is a theme, not just this podcast, but for all your scheduling issues is they're so interconnected. And that's why I think some of our podcasts that discuss the concepts rather than just the sections are probably also very valuable for our pilots to understand how Contract 2020 is designed to work together holistically. Absolutely say that is the common theme. They all kind of interchange in that way. Just reading one provision doesn't explain the whole story about the, you know, the whole change to the contract holistically. Dan, what's another major change in the TA? So for contract 2020, all open time will be fully rigged. That means from monthly flowing into daily open time, hourly, snot, all pairings will be fully rigged. So we won't have these chads of two days that pay seven or turns going out that pay three and a half. 
Uh, as we know, those rarely get straight bids. And then when they do end up being assigned to a reserve, if they do, then they're rigged anyway. So all open time will be fully rigged under contract 2020. Scott, I know that we proposed eliminating monthly open time in contract 2020, but it does appear in the TA. So why is that? And are there any changes from current practice? Well, originally we were proposing to eliminate monthly open time, partially because when we were doing the SCP process, it wasn't utilized a whole lot. This was pre-pandemic. And also we were trying to make a little more room in the timeline to open ELIT a little bit earlier. So getting rid of this process was going to help with that. However, the, the pandemic and just being over man demonstrated how much monthly open time could be needed in certain time frames. So we elected to go ahead and keep that. In addition, the company proposed and we accepted their ability to put specific days of open time and monthly open time at premium or uh, double time or even triple time. So having that ability to uh, offer monthly open time at pay multiples, even at the beginning of the month, sounded like something that our pilots would definitely be interested in. So we've retained monthly open time. It closes two days earlier, but it still retains you know the way to bid that we do currently. In the IT section, we'll get to it. We're going to reflow how that monthly open time interface works so that you don't have to redo your entire bid every single time. You can adjust it like the daily open time window. So it sounds to me like the monthly open time opportunities for them to offer pay multiples is sort of being able to do sort of a mini ops MOU or like they typically do every July, set the first three or four days of the month where they award premium before reserve. Is that sort of the same concept as far as trying to get those trips covered? That's the idea. It, it's in everyone's interest to get those covered instead of having JA. And definitely there's times that it would be better to get those covered up front and then have a better, more realistic idea of what your premium open time, what your VDT and your reserve coverage needs are well before you get to that weekend or that holiday. Dan, do you anticipate that they'll just say, hey, uh, Baltimore FOs, it's going to be double time on these legs, or are they going to give all FOs, or is it going to be all Baltimore, or is it going to be the, the entire system when they set certain days? Can it be a week, can it be a day, or can it be whatever length that they want? To answer your question, Kurt, on the pay multiples, uh, it will be up to the company's discretion. The language doesn't specify they have to. That's just what we expect, how it'll probably work. Yes. The language itself just says that monthly open time pairings will be designated for premium, double or triple time multiples, but it doesn't actually specify exactly how it'll be done. But from the discussions in the room, uh, as our understanding, it'll be uh, date ranges and by seat in the system. We're talking about pay multiples in monthly open time. And uh, this isn't compensation, but just to review, because it is kind of a big deal. Uh, explain, Scott, uh, pay multiples in contract 2020 and why uh, we went to what we did. Well, we went to pay multiples because oftentimes the premium pay gets lost in the rigs right now. So not all the time, but in a good number of cases you have where a premium pairing pays the same or just a little bit more than the straight value. And so there's not enough differentiation to get people to actually bid on it at premium. So we see that a lot with the JA pairings as well. So for pay multiples, we've switched it over to the pay multiple times the leg pay or the duty period rigs, which would be DHR or DPM. So premium pay would be time and a half of the legs or time and a half of the DHR or time and a half of the DPM, duty period minimum. So 
just knowing that every premium duty period would pay a minimum of 7.5. Moving that on to double time, you know, double time of the legs or double time the duty period minimum or double time of the DHR. So again, a minimum of 10 for a double time duty period, but certainly it could go much higher than that depending on the density of the trip. So I guess another point that was made in the room, at least, was with monthly open time, with the changes that we're making in training and some of the other leaves of absence and the way they pull flying, there's probably going to be some extra or additional flying that makes its way into monthly, as well as changes to the open time priority list. So those all kind of work together as well. They do work together. You know, blank lines are built from what falls out while the trip pulls from, you know, the first round lines. But then anything that doesn't get put into the blank lines, plus everything that gets pulled from the blank lines, winds up in monthly open time. And we definitely have more trip pull provisions, you know, with the training bid, vacation overlap, and month-to-month overlap. So there's probably going to be more falling into the inventory. That'll lead to some additional open time priority, which we'll cover in the planning section. Um, But there might also be more going into monthly open time and potentially into uh, ELIT as well. So there might be more things to trade or more things to bid on. Okay. So you said it goes, it flows from monthly into ELIT and the ELIT we handle in exchange of flying. And then ELIT closes as it does today, but it closes closer into daily open time. Talk about that transition and any changes in daily open time from how we handle it today. Well, like we talked about, if you've listened to our Exchange of Flying podcast, the ELIT Umbra, the time from when a pairing is removed from ELIT and offered in daily open time, is now moved to 33 hours down from currently at 57. So at midnight, it will be pulled out of ELIT and then offered the next day the 0900 daily open time closed for pairings the next, the following day. So this shorter window obviously allows more trading to be done in ELID and, and data has shown that most pilots uh, do not submit a bid for daily open time till uh, close to when that bid closes. Um, and then some other changes we had is we will be keeping the 0900 and 1300 daily open time close, but the 1700 daily open time close has been eliminated. What that means is hourly open time closes will now start at uh, 1400. So you have a 1300 dot close and then anything that falls in um, basically after 1230 central time will now flow into a 1400 uh, hourly open time close. What this does is uh, opens up um, some more opportunities for our commuters, uh, pilots to commute in for pairings for the next day because you don't have to wait till 1700 the night prior uh, to know if you could be awarded that pairing. Uh, also offers some more opportunities for release to check in uh, for our reserve pilots. Are there changes to the OTAs or the open time alerts? Does that change any way with daily or hourly open time? No, there wasn't any changes to the open time alert process. There will be some changes on some of the parameters that you're bidding or looking for alerts for the open time processes. Like because of the pay multiples were going to have to add some additional, you know, pay brackets. As long as we're talking about open time alerts, just to tie things together, kind of in a parallel, the reserve pilots are also getting reserve proffer notifications kind of at the same time in parallel that would be awarded after the open time generally, correct? 
That is true. Reserve pilots, if they choose to, will be receiving a reserve proffering alerts. So if certain pairings or training sport events are being offered in open time and they choose to, they can uh, receive those alerts and decide where they want to put a proffer in for those. And we cover that pretty well in the reserve podcast as well. Yes, it's covered in the reserve podcast and in the RPP videos. Okay, so moving from DOT into HOT, you said the hourly starts earlier. Any other changes on the hourly open time notifications or any other changes with that? No, the only major change, Kurt, is that those hourly open times uh, will start earlier. Instead of 1,800, they're now starting at 1,400, like we said. So uh, other than that, the process uh, remains basically the same as today. Okay, so traditionally after uh, HOT, the next step in the process is oftentimes uh, short notice open time. Any changes in that process or timeline? No changes there until they open up the co-terminals and and then the snot for a co-terminal would have to close three hours prior instead of two hours prior. And so that aligns with the reserve call out and everything else. It's sort of a line that's always basically one hour after the co-terminal? Exactly. Okay. So then if nobody bids on it, it's not, or if it's short notice, today we use VPF. What changes in the TA? So VPF has been eliminated and has been replaced with VDT, voluntary double time. So like you said, if you think about the flow for open time, it'll be awarded straight first, like today. Then the company will have the option to award it to any premium bidders, maybe illegal that bid for it. And then they would be go through the RPP process and the assignment to reserves. If it's still uncovered, that's where voluntary double time comes in. The process, obviously, goal here is to offer that flying and hopefully get a volunteer to do it prior to jaying a pilot out online to do that flying. So like Scott said earlier, the VDT will pay double time, which would be on the legs or the rig. So the minimum would be uh, 10 TFP per day. This accomplishes one of our primary goals is always trying to get a volunteer to do the flying other than being assigned. Yeah, VDT kind of addressed one of the major concerns pilots have is that it never gets offered at double time before JA. And that was a huge shift in mentality to go ahead and switch to a double time. But there was a lot of angst on the company side that it would just lead to shifting everything to go to voluntary double time as opposed to being awarded straight or premium. And because of that, the voluntary double time, unlike VPF, uh, was going to be mirror the snot random award as opposed to being first come, first serve. So it's not necessarily something that you can count on getting because it'll be basically a 15-minute snot random award process. Does the cap count towards VDT? Yes, it will have the same Ord of rewards as the snap process as far as in base, out of base, under the cap, over the cap, not on a non-fly, non-fly. So it'll, it'll mirror that process. To recap for additional flying, it sounds to me like at the beginning of the process, all the way up in monthly open time, there's an opportunity for the company to offer premium, double, even triple time. And then it goes to the ELIT at straight pay. And then as we get closer and, and tighter in, then, then that pay multiple returns to where there's premium and double time for short notice. Is that sort of how the flow of the, the open time goes? 
Yes, that's exactly it. It's given the company multiple opportunities to um, try to have some, you know, premium pricing on open time to get things covered when it's critical for operations. Just a little caveat with this. Uh, like Scott mentioned, the company may offer certain pairings in monthly open time with a pay multiple. You will be able to elit that pairing, but the rule will be to keep that pay multiple. The pairing that you elit has to start on the same day. Now, the pairing that you acquire out of elit will keep that pay multiple, but the pairing that you put back into the elit inventory, it, uh, that pay multiple will be stripped and go back to straight pay like the rest of elit. Okay, maybe this is a, an exchange of flying question, but we're here now, so I'm going to ask. If I pick up a two-day double-time trip in monthly open time and I elit it for a four-day in elit, do I get a four-day double-time trip? As long as it started on the same day, yes. So another open time process or additional flying process, I should say, is last resort flying. That's been in the contract, I know, or it is in our current contract, and it's evolved now that we've automated it. What changes in the TA when it comes to LRF? Well, pretty much the process for LRF remains the same as it does today, and it's still only flying that can't be covered from a base, meaning there's time to put it in open time, time for it to close, time to check in, time to deadhead somewhere, get legal rest if you need to. So it's not just any flying in an outstation. It, it just can't be covered from a domicile using open time. The only major change here is that last resort flying pays premium and premium under the pay multiples is that you get premium not just on the legs, but on the duty period rigs. So the minimum pay for an LRF now will go from 6.5 to 7.5. So the changes that we implemented on LRF when we automated it back last summer are basically what we wanted to get in contract 2020. And, and so we're basically maintaining that process going forward. Right. The process is still the same. So then uh, in our current contract under additional flying, we have a section on JA, and that's not in this section. Explain that. So, Kurt, all the provisions uh, having to do with JA have been moved to our execution section because they align with our non-voluntary reassignment rules and protection, both uh, RONJAs and next-day standalone JAs. Uh, the rules and provisions about that will be discussed in the execution podcast. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out the Contract 2020 TA Education page on swapa.org.